Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. My name is James, and I'm here with Nicholas. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm having a great day. Merry Christmas, James. Merry Christmas, brother. This will be our last podcast before the Christmas holiday. Um, so it's appropriate for us to recognize the, the birth of Jesus Christ today. Praise God. Praise God, indeed. Um, how are you doing? How's your Christmas season going so far? Your Advent season, I should say. So far, so good. I was wondering if you were, if I'm supposed to say like Happy Advent or something instead of Merry uh, Christmas. No, no. We know we kind of we we play fast and loose with the holidays uh, yeah, yeah. these days. But uh, um, so so far, so good. good. You know, we're recording this a little bit before the kids have their Christmas break. Yeah, um, yeah. But everybody's home learning virtually. I know a few schools had to do that, trying to keep from getting the Rona. Yeah, just heading into the holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Supposed to see my parents this weekend, and okay, you know, where where are your parents at? Where are they? Where are they coming? Are they coming to see you? No, we'll drive down to see them in McDonough. Okay, cool, excellent. Um, yeah, uh, Kiefer's been on the the Zoom kindergarten all year long, so nothing's really changed for her. But she'll she'll be have she has next week off, and got the holidays coming up. <laughs> So today, uh, today is kind of uh, what we might call our pop culture day or free form day. We just mm-hmm. kind of talk about whatever's on our mind. We don't have a necessarily a set topic in mind. So um, I was going to throw the question to you, Nick. What would you like to talk about today? So I, I had a thought yesterday. Kate and I are sitting, as we often do, after eating dinner, watching TV. Um, and we also do a little bit of scrolling, you know, on the social media platforms to see what's going on. Yeah. And uh, she read me a little thing about um, kind of from Mary's perspective on the nativity. Okay. And, you know, it was intended to be funny, but also it did make me think about how much that goes on around the nativity set and just kind of some Christmas carols in general and things that we do and think about Christmas that maybe are more mythology than we realize. Do you, and by mythology, you mean they, they're not historical. Yeah. That's not the way it actually happened. Yeah. Okay. So like the go-to in this case was the little drummer boy. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no little drummer boy recorded in scripture. <laughs> that's, that's true. But we've built up this whole thing about right yeah yeah and it makes me really curious like who who decided there needed to be a little drummer boy <laughs> right right why you know yeah yeah and i uh, just wondered if there are some other things we could think of sure that are not factually or biblically or not accurate, biblically historically accurate. accurate. Well, there's not much about the nativity scene that is biblically accurate, uh, so to speak. Uh, and then what I mean by that is... Uh, All right, very- here we go, destroying <laughs> lives. <laughs> well, you got to think of the nativity as, as not being a historical picture of the night Jesus was born, but rather a representation or a symbol of that event, right? Mm-hmm. It's not... It's not... It's no... There's no... It may originally have been intended to be a historical kind of playset, you know, not playset, but a representation, I guess, of of what happened that night. But really, 
it's become more of a symbol of of the evening itself or the night itself. It's not it's not um, it's not biblical. Uh, whether it was intended to be that way at first or not, I, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. But uh, for instance, just just a couple uh, a couple uh, um, examples would be um, Jesus was not born in uh, in a stable in the way that we think of stables in the way that they're designed in nativity sets, like a little wooden shed or something like that. Right. Yeah. Stables probably more like a cave. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard that before. So you got that uh, little incongruity, and then you have uh, usually you have the wise men there, right? Uh, and they weren't there the night that Jesus was born. That happened a couple years later, probably. You know, that blew my mind when I first, you know, because the wise men were always there, right? And then as I started reading the story for myself, and I was like, but wait, they the star appeared, yeah, and then the wise men traveled, and so. they began to travel, yeah. And if they, they were getting there when baby Jesus was born, then the star appeared way earlier if they were, or they right. got there way later, which is actually. Well, if you, if, so if you read the, the passage that that story comes from, the wise men show up and they, um, they show up and they go straight to King Herod, who mm-hmm. is the, you know, the, the, the leader of the area. And uh, they ask him, you know, hey, we're here. We made it. Uh, you know, where's where's the king of the Jews at? We want to see the baby, and this is it shocks Herod, right? It makes him into mm-hmm. it gives him in this kind of paranoia kind of thing going on, and then he sends them along the way, and then he figures out when and when the wise men don't come back to report on where Jesus was, he decides to murder all the boys in the all the little boys mm-hmm. in the area who are two years older, two years old or younger. Right. Based on what the Magi had told them about when the star appeared. And so you're talking about quite a window. There's a time. window right there, yeah. So yeah. Jesus could be, you know, we don't know exactly, but um, but the idea is that it's not, it's definitely not the night that Jesus is born. So you'll see uh, some people, and this is what I, I do with my nativity, because I keep all my Christmas stuff up until Epiphany, as it should be. Right. Uh, as, as, as we celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, right? Um, and you can take your Christmas stuff down. You know, on Twelfth Night, the night, the Twelfth Night of Christmas, and that's kind of becomes like a little ceremony of closing out the season or whatever. But one of the things that you do on Twelfth Night then is it, you 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 move the wise men from your nativity set, you know, across the house somewhere, and you and then every week you move them closer and closer and closer until on Twelfth Night they get placed in the nativity. Some people will do that so they get closer and closer. Then on Christmas night, they'll be they'll be placed in the nativity. Oh, okay. So they're traveling from afar. You're trying right? to be a little bit more accurate by well, doing it on Twelfth it, Night. It's just uh, it's one of the way, another one of the ways you can visually represent the holiday that you're celebrating. And so Twelfth Night would be January the sixth. It's uh, January fifth. It's the night 5th. of January fifth because okay. that's that's the twelfth day of Christmas. So Twelfth Night is a it was a big festival celebration, kind of finishing Christmas off. Uh, and so a lot of people will take down their Christmas, people who celebrate the 12 days of Christmas will take down their right. Christmas gifts kind of as like a, not just as a, let's get this out of the way, but like, it's almost like a ceremony, right? You mm-hmm. like, you take all the ornaments off, you know, and you, you repackage them into their, into their little, you know, paper, right. wrap them up in little papers, all put their them back in the box. boxes. And it's a way of, 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 um, marking the end of Christmas, but you make it into a thing where you're listening to Christmas music. Maybe you're doing the last pieces of Christmas that you're going to do. Then you can. It, it, one of the advantages to that is that you can 
Uh, you can make a ceremony or a ritual out of taking off the Christmas lights and making sure they get rolled back up the way they're supposed to so that when you unroll them, you know, open them up next year, they are in the right, um, you know, they're in order. They're not tangled up or whatever. Yeah, that was such a nightmare last year. I just decided that a part of the expense of Christmas decorations every year is going to be new lights for the tree. I'm just... You just buy new lights every year? I'm very, very likely to just throw the whole thing away. Lights on it. I used to do that every year with the tree stand. I would just throw the tree stand out with the tree and buy a new tree stand every year. But I had to get the cheap, you know, plastic $5 tree stands. I will say, now, it is too much fun to set the Christmas tree on fire. Yeah. Well, and that's a good way to close out the season, too. And we should just... have a 12-night bon, uh, bonfire <laughs> at your house. There you go. Everybody bring your Christmas trees over to Nick's house. I'm just going to burn the lights right off the tree. Burn the tree off the lights. <laughs> Spirits up, we're here tonight, and that's enough. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply the other thing that has struck me um, has been like the children's stories. Like, there's got to be now this mountain of Christmas themed yeah. books, books about Christmas, and so. You know, I read a story to Flint every night for bedtime, Kate or I, and he's got a story we've been reading that is about all the animals in the stable singing their song to baby Jesus. Okay. All right. Also, uh, very biblical. Right. And, you know, the sheep and the goats and the cow have a pretty song, but the donkey song is, you know, it's a donkey. Have you ever heard a donkey? I have, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I make a really heinous noise for Flint when I read the story, and he laughs and, and he laughs. laughs. And baby Jesus smiles and welcomes the donkey in. <laughs> and that's the story. And I'm kind of like... Is that part of the story, that he has a heinous song? Like this is, yeah, 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 that yeah, it's okay. a loud, noisy... It's not just you making yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And so, so the donkey is embarrassed of his song because... Right, right. Because and, and I'm kind of like, donkey. where are we going with this? Like... Well, what's the moral of that story? That Jesus loves everybody, yeah. even if you can't sing. Right. Is that a Christmas story? Don't be embarrassed. Actually, the moral of that story was Jesus likes your song even better. Well, okay, and that 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 lines none up. Because the other animals got special attention. So that, that I guess I guess um, you're right that there's this like proliferation of Christmas stories, and not just Christmas stories. There's always been proliferation of a lot, a lot of Christmas stories. Right? There's always like the Grinch, and there is. Mm-hmm. You know, all these Christmas movies that we watch, like Die Hard and, you know. Like Die Hard. <laughs> exactly, right. right? So there's always been a lot of Christmas stories. But what you're, I think you're talking about is, is Christmas stories that are about Jesus being born that are not necessarily in the Bible, like donkey singing. Right? Is that what you're talking about? Well, in this case, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of like, and you go walk through the children's section of, at look at Christmas stories. and Right. They're not strictly... Biblical. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I guess um, my my question about that my question about that would be, um, um, you know, do these stories reflect the message and ministry of Jesus Christ? That's the ones. So I would be okay with some of those that do that. 
Um, but the ones that didn't do that, if they were, you know, trying to teach you to, um, I mean, have you, well, let me ask this. Have you seen any that, that have questionable narratives to them or questionable morals? No, no, I haven't. I think the other one that comes to mind is one where all of the animals in the stable are talking about it's it's guess who's coming to our house okay like guess who's and coming I, to dinner i guess that sydney point sydney Poignier, Poignier. And, and all the animals are saying guess who's coming to our house and one of the animals doesn't know who it is and it's baby jesus okay Mary is, that, is it also a donkey that doesn't know no in this case i think it was a mouse okay so everyone else knows Mm-hmm. So the animals know that Jesus the is coming animals to town. Have precognition, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of weird. I know. And also, the animal is packed full. I'm not convinced that the animals that are pictured in the book are the kind of animals that would have been in the stable. Was there a lobster there? <laughs> there was not. Well, that was my the nativity. Oh, love actually. <laughs> Got Spider Man there. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so we're just. I don't know. I guess I guess it's still that, you know. So does it does it does it um I guess I, so I'm does it bother you to read stories like that to to your kids and or are you are you looking for a strict biblical story of of the nativity? There it it makes me aware of the fact and and wonder about what other things are out there like that. Yeah. That people take for granted is the story without really considering whether or not it was the real story. Right. Like there's no, I don't know that I want fact checkers on children's books, but (laughs) we build images in our minds of how things happened Yeah, and they have nothing to do with what actually happened. With what actually happened. And so then is what's important really the way it happened? Right. Or the moral the moral of it, the or message the, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I, and I think we do that a lot with all kinds of scriptures, right? We do that with all kinds of stories in the Bible. Um, you know, like we talk about, we've said this before, but you think about the Garden of Eden, like what was the fruit that Adam and Eve ate, right? The first thing you think of is an, an apple. apple, right? But that's not in the Bible. So we don't know, right? Yeah, that's a great so example. That's, a, that's yes. one of those details that we add in. To help the story make sense, and so we, because you have to have some visual image in your head when you're reading the story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with the nativity, like I said, there's already, I mean, just the just the idea of a nativity scene is is not strictly speaking a biblical image, you know. The, with the wise men, we talked about them. We also, how many wise men are there? There's three, always three. Yeah. But we don't know that. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's three different gifts that are brought. Right. Right. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, but there's no mention of how many of these guys show up. Right. Mm-hmm. So we go, there you go got that. How many shepherds show up? We don't know. There's usually a couple in the nativity set with, the, you know, and they bring the sheep with them or whatever. Um, See, and that's like. That's closer to what actually happened on the night that Jesus is born. Right. Uh, shepherds do show up on the night that he's born in Bethlehem. Um, that also comes with, you know, an angel usually that's sitting on the on the roof or something like that, or maybe a star or something like that, which is uh, mm-hmm. not something that happens at the actual scene of the nativity. 
happens out in the fields with the, the shepherds. angels appear to the, in the, the yeah. shepherds in the fields yeah so, so it's, it's 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 what it's doing though what the nativity does is it's a visual representation of the entire story of jesus's birth as told to us in matthew and luke it gives us a way to kind of represent that in our mind and to have a symbol you know it's like the cross right when we look at the cross i can almost guarantee you that the cross that jesus was crucified on did not look exactly like the crosses that we have up around the church, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like the Northside cross with its Celtic design no, for sure, definitely right? Not the... But that cross still stands for that event, yeah. right? Every cross you know, we see in churches and stuff, it's not the, it's not, it doesn't represent. There's a good chance that Jesus was not even crucified on a cross in the sense that we think he might have been uh, nailed to a pole, you know, like so. There's there's ways in which um, historically our our symbols don't match the story historically but they still represent the event and and speak to the our faith in that event does that make sense so we have symbols like that all across our faith you know there's i've never seen an accurate representation of what the ark looked like that all the animals got put in 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 the noah story right i mean there were definitely holes in the top for the giraffe to stick its head out of right exactly exactly right So I, this this actually this this kind of the question that you're asking, and, and this this also stretches to the stories as well, um, because now you're telling now we're now we're telling stories that are centered around this event that try to get to the meaning of that event, but they aren't mm-hmm. actually recorded in scripture. Right. I re- I'm recalling like Dr. Gill's story about the poinsettias, right? And and the girl yeah. that brought the poinsettias to to Christ on his on the day on the day he was born. Or do you how remember about, that? Yeah. Um, okay, that's a good one. Well, what about the dogwood blossom? Yeah, I don't know anything about that. You've never heard that? Is that the official tree of Virginia? Um, I know that. <laughs> so. No, tell me the story. Christ was crucified on dogwood tree. I've never heard that. Oh, that's a fact. <laughs> I don't think that's true. You've never heard that? I'm almost so, positive that's not, not I mean, obviously that's not in the Bible, but I don't know. I, I just assumed it was an olive I mean, well, he was crucified. I don't know. I've never heard that. No, never heard you've that. never heard that. Okay, so I, the, story from, the story from that I remember, and I feel like it's actually there. I have to go back and look. Oh, gosh. <laughs> My mom's going to be disappointed. You mean actually in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. That it was dogwood, and a dogwood tree now will not grow large enough that you could actually carve a cross out of it yeah i can definitely say that's not in the bible and the dogwood blossoms look like christ crucified with the <laughs> you know it's four petals and then there there's a crown of thorns in the middle and there's blood-stained tips on each of those petals yeah that's um that's not going to be in the bible i'll tell you that right now that's see but this is what i'm saying this is what i'm talking about Look at that. And you've never heard that before? I'm, well, obviously, I've never heard that before. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> if I had heard that, I, I had totally forgotten that I heard it. I'll tell you that. My family growing up read the Bible, Nate. We didn't read. Well, that's why I'm confused about how this snuck in there. Oh, that's funny. So, uh, but... This, to to get back to our conversation, the 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 thing that you're asking about here is is an ancient like an ancient struggle that the church had 
as it as it began to formalize into into actual denomin not denominations but into actual churches you know what is an appropriate icon or what's an appropriate image that you can have in in the churches to represent these things that can't be represented you know is it appropriate to have a picture of jesus mm-hmm. you know in the church is it appropriate to have a cross in the church is it appropriate to have these things that symbolize something that have meaning that gives us a visual image of the story like a stained glass window right right but that are not historical or even biblical depictions of what actually happened you know or what happened in the in the scripture itself mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a wrestling that's a moment of of that you that's a question you have to really wrestle with um because if if the image or the story that you're telling or the showing doesn't match scripture then what you're saying is that you're saying a couple different things. You're, first of all, you're saying that the, the meaning of the passage or the meaning of the story is more important than what's actually in the story. Mm-hmm. And you're also saying that you're confident you know what the meaning of the story is so that you could tell oh, another story that would, that would... You're asserting. Right? Which is, that's, the church does this, and that's, that's part of who we've been um, for a long time. So the question becomes... Um, how comfortable are we with that? As Protestants, I think you and I, people who grew up in a very Protestant um, background, we we favor Scripture over everything else. Yeah. So well, if I think it's that's not in the Bible, the, where the question comes from right, for me is because absolutely. of my literalist upbringing. So where where have you gotten with it? Did you talk to the misses about this at all? Nah, she no. don't worry about this. She don't worry about this kind of stuff. This is it's why just about a donkey, is, Nick. Read the book. This conversations with James. That's, <laughs> that's what. Right. This is the kind of stuff James would be like. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. I hadn't really thought about that, but I think that that's. I think it's worth uh, exploring for sure. But yeah, I mean that's a handful of things with no rehearsal we've come up with <laughs> that are like addendums to the story or a way to retell the story or a, I mean, just a, a yeah. fictional a fictional take on what could have happened right well and you get the same thing with uh um have you heard joseph's lullaby this season no i'm not or mary did you know i've heard that yeah the one where the guy mansplains to Mary yeah, exactly. what's happening what's to her. About to happen, right. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> did you know? And she's like, yeah, I did. The angel told me first. Thanks, though. I appreciate exactly. it. <laughs> it's banned for mansplaining. That's my favorite. Mary, one of my favorite bees. Know? <clears throat> um, well, so then Joseph's lullaby is kind of the same take, but okay. from Joseph's perspective. Okay. I don't know if I've heard that or not. Really? Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, that's the out. song that I always avoid, try to avoid, but always finds me every year, is that Christmas shoes song. Oh, God. And it gets me every time, it's man. Terrible. It gets me every time. I refuse. <laughs> I, I I try to avoid it every year, but it gets me every time. I made it, it all the way me. through at one time, but nope, never again. <laughs> it's so sad. Exactly. <laughs> I don't do I sad. I don't want to be sad at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, that's one of the things I get a hard time for around here is that I... Not terribly pastoral. I don't know how to respond to people in grief. Yeah, well. And so Christmas shoes, man. I can't deal with those <laughs> can't feelings. Do it, can't do it. Mm-mm. Sir, I want to buy these shoes for my mama, please. It's Christmas Eve and these 
so I guess one of the things one of the things to think about is why do we have such a proliferation of different stories, particularly those that are connected to the story of Jesus, and and obviously traditions grow and and things you know get stories get told, but do we have these because we're getting bored or tired of the story that we do find in scripture? Like, cause we just heard it so many times. Is it, or is it even worse than that? There, there may be people out there wanting to profit from this story. And so I have come up with all of these different versions, all these different editions and ways of telling the story so that they yeah. can, they can, you know, publish those books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say, this is the danger of the rabbit hole. If that is how people are, if we take stories we hear and we adapt stories, we build companion stories to try to contain the essence of the meaning, but we are using symbols that are meaningful to our understanding of the world. Yeah. Say so, like we've talked about cultural adaptations of Christianity across the world. Right, right. Um, how confident am I? that the story that got written down did not go through those that same process. changes. Yes. We'll definitely cut this out, but I'll tell you that uh, <laughs> it did go through those same changes. <laughs> I mean, I hate to, I hate to break anybody's bubble, but, uh, but that's, bubble. that's where, you know, so coming up with our literalist upbringing, right. Then you say, well, it's just like listening. I don't know what put it in perspective for some reason this morning I was listening to Adele I think it was Adele. Adelaide? I love her. I think it was Adele. It might have been Kelly Clarkson. Um, and she said something like, it's been a million years since we spoke. Well, it hasn't actually been a million years. She right. just picked a million years as a way to describe the fact that it's been a long time. It's been time. a long time. And then I was like, that's like 40 days. Uh-huh. Or Yeah. So for somebody who was really struggling with that, uh, I would say that trying to historically or factually prove anything in the Bible is going to be a very uh, hard process to do. Uh, you're going to find a lot of people who will give you a lot of information that will make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you're looking for, just to kind of prove it to yourself, then I'm just going to ask you, like, why don't you just believe, have faith, right? But uh, beyond that, I would say this. What the virgin birth is trying to tell us is very important. The meaning in the story is very important, which is that this is God in the flesh. And that's important. It's a special baby. It's a special baby, yeah. Eight pounds, five ounces. Wrapped in golden fleece. Mm -hmm, That's right. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue just thinking about you. I think we can... I mean, and we don't have to even go to the virgin birth or the story of Christmas or the nativity to see symbols in our Christmas celebration that uh, mean something important, but that are not part of the original story. I mean, look at a Christmas tree. Yeah. Right. So and look at a lot of different things, a lot of different. You've mentioned poinsettias. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Christmas trees. Is it poinsettias or poinsettias? Because I don't know. It depends on how pretentious you are. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretentious, so I'll go poinsettia. Poinsettia. Uh, poinsettia. Um, you know, candy canes. Candy canes. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. The big man himself. Yeah. Right? Uh, who started out, his, his legend starts out as, as a Christian saint named uh, St. Nicholas, right? Who 
who brought gifts to kids in the in the town that he was in. Really? Also, yeah, he did. Yeah, and he also punched heretics in the face, and like like he he, he was quite quite the man. <laughs> uh, and then you'd have you know that legend grew from this the saint in the middle in the medieval times the Middle Ages, and into the thing that we have today, this legend that we have today, which is just. Okay. Completely secularized. So one point, of the but. other stories that I read is the poem "Twas the Night Before Christmas." Yeah, that's a good one. And we get this depiction of Santa Claus as, you know, the fat, jolly old elf. That's right. That's right. And that's that, that's not how he started out. No, right. He started out just as a man, right? Saint Nicholas started out as Tim Allen, and slowly became slowly transformed. Slowly transformed. Um, he should have read the fine print. The the actual image of Santa Claus that we have today, the one that's very popular, the most popular image we have, is something that was really canonized in Western culture by Coca Cola, right in the nineteen thirties yeah, when that they when I, now there, there were versions of Santa wearing a red coat, stuff like that. But the the image that we think of when we see Santa in our mm-hmm. heads is from Coca Cola. So wow. what does that tell you? I mean, what does wow. that tell you about the culture that we live in? That's one of the things I meant when I said we have all these different stories now that are kind of orbiting around the nativity, orbiting around the um, the the birth of Christ. Are these stories being told because people really want children to understand the full meaning of what this passage is about? Or are they being told because you can make a lot of money selling books about Christmas during the Christmas season? Well. Think about the songs that we listen to every year. Yeah. You never listen to them any other time of year, but you're busting out the same old tired songs every Christmas. Yeah. Because that's Christmas music. Yeah. And so we're going to hear Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee, right? Yeah. How long has that been around and it keeps coming back? And it works. What, 50s, 60s? And it works into our minds where we associate that time. So as you get older, you still want to hear that. Yeah. Because that was, you know, a a good memory. So, but we also hear, you know, I think every year I hear some new Christmas song that I hadn't heard before. Now it doesn't mean the song itself is new. Yeah. You got to get on that gravy train, but it's something, yeah, but it's something I hadn't heard before this year. It was, uh, this year I watched for the first time, uh, a very merry Christmas, which you ha- if you haven't seen this on Netflix, you should see it. It's really funny. It's really good. A very Murray, Murray. a very Murray Christmas. It's Bill Murray. Uh, playing himself uh, in this like Christmas Eve special. Okay, I have not seen that. Yeah, it's really funny. It's got George Clooney in it. It's got a bunch of famous actors. Cool. Um, Disney it. released one last year called Noel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't watch it. Which but is really good. Is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. I All recommend right. it. Maybe I'll check it out. I saw that on the Disney Plus. Um, so, uh, what was your I daughter say? would like it? So, so with the a Merry Christmas, there's a there's one where he sings, uh, uh, "Santa Claus wants some loving," right? <laughs> Which is just a funny, funny song. Uh, just the premise of it, the whole thing is is funny. But there's there's all of these uh, old songs. You're right that we go back to familiar classics that that I think remind us of what what childhood was like. Or so we're making making money off of there all is those some songs. Intentional, I'm, yeah. I think there's some intentional. Like every artist is going to release a Christmas album because. Right. Yeah, you know who I want to hear? I want to. I want Bruno Mars to put a Christmas album out. Wouldn't that be amazing? Be sick. It'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be amazing. He get he team up with Timberlake maybe. It'd be a yeah. That yeah. would be fire. Wouldn't that be amazing? They get Lizzo in there too. Oh, my face just melted. <laughs> now we're going. Now we're going. 
I'd like to see her do a. I feel like she'd put f bombs in a Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could have to avoid that. Man, it's Christmas. That it's, little it's drummer Christmas boy album. drops a beat, man. <laughs> Talking about Christmas music, though, and and just and all the other things that we have with Christmas, we have all of these traditions and and all of these symbols. I think I think symbols is what we're really talking about here today. It's these these things that represent the meaning. They represent some kind of event. They represent the meaning of Christmas that we have adopted. We call a lot of them secular. I wonder how much thought we put into how these symbols shape our experience of Christmas. Like, would you be willing? to celebrate Christmas with your family and go the whole Christmas season and do nothing but things that were directly connected to the biblical passage of how Jesus was born. So you'd have to cut out Christmas trees. You'd have to cut out, you could probably still have Christmas lights because there are, you know, lights. You'd have to cut out Santa Claus. You'd have to cut out Santa Claus. You'd have to cut out so much. In fact, you might, I mean, how much of you would have to cut out all that music that we were just talking about? No Brenda Lee, right? No mm-hmm. Bruno Mars Christmas album. No Lizzo. No guest Lizzo appearing. guest appearance featuring Lizzo. I, I, well, yeah, okay. What so, would you do that? So would you, if you, would you be willing to cut out all the symbols related to Christmas that don't come directly from Scripture? And that would almost include the nativity itself, if we're being, if we're being really literalist and staunch about it. Yeah. And what would that look like? Would that be a Christmas? Full of joy and wonder? Could it be? What would you get from a Christmas like that? I, I don't... It would seem pretty sterile. Like, you would then create different things based on the actual story. You create your own symbols. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what would happen. I think you're very right. Because you'd still want a way to mark those days as being different days than the other days. Right. Well, you could still read the you could read the Christmas stories in Matthew sure. and Luke. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to do for one Christmas. Take one Christmas and say, "This is the year we're going to try this." I think just to just to kind of understand how much these other symbols, whether they're secular or Christian, how much they contribute to our experience of the Christmas season, how much they uh bring about that special christmas feeling that we get okay you know so what i'm talking about do they contribute to it at such a level that, that christmas it, has been diluted yeah i say diluted diluted down yeah. to a feeling right um rather than the reality so one of the things that is always tough for me at christmas is all of these kind of symbolic fictional stories that get built around Christmas traditions yeah. that focus on Christmas is the season of giving. Christmas is about family. Right. Christmas is about love. Christmas is, and there's a part of me like in the back of my mind raging and going, Christmas is about Jesus. 
well, Jesus is about family and Jesus is about love, right? And and now we're, mm-hmm. we're one step removed, though, from we're doing some interpretation now. You know, we're one step removed from what the story is actually about. You know, because Jesus is about love, right? Jesus is about these things. But now, is that what is that what Christmas story is about, though? Is it is it focusing on that one aspect of Jesus? I guess is a question I'm asking. I like this this idea of of Christmas being diluted, right? Being watered down. Well, because I think that there's been in gosh, this is going to hurt me. I think there's an element of your comments about, you know, are these stories being built around a profit motive? Right. That then are they about profit or are they about prophecy? You well, know what I'm saying? So <laughs> you dilute it in order to make it more appealing because Jesus as a character is controversial. Yep. And the world can accept that. Right. And so take take Jesus out of it. Let's build new traditions that are non-controversial, right. like family and love and giving and friendship and helping the needy. So things that things that um that the world or secular people or people from other faith traditions can look at and say okay i'm on board with those things Mm -hmm. but also things that christians would say yeah we're on board with those things too and then we've left jesus out of it altogether this is this is the whole war on christmas all right this is the the Mm -hmm. taking christ out of christmas right um so does that what's the impact that has for us as people of faith when we dilute it like that and remove Jesus from the story so that we're just talking about these kind of untethered, unconnected uh, ideas of love and well, peace. So now and, we're just talking about virtues. Right. We're right. not talking about a source of those virtues. Do the, so that's a, that, this, is, this, is, this is the conversation. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And so this is Christmas. This is the struggle of the Christian church in general, uh, not just for Christmas, but for our entire year. If we don't get these virtues from the stories that we find in Scripture, then where are we getting them from? Mm-hmm. Wait, what does love mean? Love doesn't mean the same thing in Scripture as it does in love, actually. Right? No, it doesn't. So, and love doesn't mean the same thing as, as it does in the birth of Christ, as it does in Santa Claus even now, right? Mm-hmm. Where are we tethering, or where are we drawing our, our virtues from? If we're taking the story out of it, we're taking Jesus out of it, out of the Christmas story. We're talking about singing donkeys. Well, I guess that still had Jesus in it. But Well, that did still have Jesus yeah. in it. And so I... I you know, I'll give that some credit, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, so this kid's going to be thinking that they're singing donkeys, and one day he's going to realize that probably didn't happen. Right. And then he'll feel like I lied to him. Well. And if... it'll just be a whole cycle of. <laughs> cycle of violence that continues on. You know, and therapy and da 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 Well, I, I used to, I used to worry about stuff like that, but I'm, honestly, I, I, uh, I think as long as your kid understands how storytelling works. Because here's, here's something you said earlier is very important. When you said, like, it, when, I, when I suggested the idea of, of removing all, everything that's not from Scripture from our Christmas celebration and just using Scripture, you said 
that we would we would just come up with our own ways of doing that mm-hmm. right we would create our own stories and yeah. ways of telling me so this is one of the reasons why i have some some grace and leeway and 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 some um but so so what we what what we do as human beings is we're meaning making machines right and the way that we make meaning is by telling stories so if we don't have stories to lean on we're going to tell our own stories. We're going to write our own stories. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be long before you were celebrating Christmas, trying to stick to the Bible, but creating your own version of that story. And then it gets added to, and then it gets added to, and you wouldn't even get out of a single generation of the Houston family before you had a story that was removed from Scripture. Now, it's still inspired by Scripture, and the Scripture story is still part mm-hmm. of that, but you have much more going on there. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. That's what human beings do we're designed to do that uh as as people who are created in the image of god we are designed to we are designed to create stories to create just like our our father in heaven created us the question becomes is it still tethered to or is it still tied to that original story thing do you do you create stories that get so far removed they aren't pointing back to god anymore right and i think we do i think we do that um in at christmas time but i also think we do that you know all throughout the year we right. do that you know is this is the story of our life tied to the story of scripture so is that just fallen humanity and rebellion i mean it, that's where it comes from but i think as christians you know when we talk about being transformed and renewed and not conforming to the patterns of the world we're talking about what it means for us as a church to try to stay, what it means for us as a church to be faithful to the story that we find in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is just reading the story. That means reading the Bible. Uh, and, and part of that is making sure that we're telling those stories. And I think that we are able, one of the things we've talked about a few times is kind of the, the levels of maturity and the stories that we tell at different um, maturity levels, yeah. you know, really young children, elementary age children, as you get older, um, the stories we tell change because we start to stress a different part of the story. I yeah. do think that there are certain foundational things, you know, so reading the story about the donkey singing its song to my five-year-old is appropriate to impress upon him, hey, baby Jesus was a big deal, even the animals wanted right. to sing a song to him. But um, you wouldn't read the same story to Lily, really? No, definitely not. Um, and one day he'll get old enough to realize that probably the donkeys didn't actually sing right. songs to baby Jesus, but, but he'll remember the, the baby Jesus is a big deal, but it pointed back to baby Jesus. Yeah. One of the things that frustrates me the most is when people build a story. So the foundational level of that story is that baby Jesus was important. And as you get older, then we start to explain why baby Jesus was important. Yeah. Okay. And so I think that's one of the things that as we see kind of Christmas get diluted and we focus on the virtues and not on the source of those virtues, we are failing to understand what incarnate God really means. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to drive by the church and see the nativity scene and stop thinking there. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because that's that's um, 
that is what what the devotional is about this week a little bit and that's where our, our Sunday school class on Sunday went with this is is we don't we don't think past the nativity we don't um, take in the full meaning of what that nativity is I think maybe because of the dilution that you're talking about where Christmas has become about so many other things and maybe they're good things but there are so many different things that Christmas has become about um, which which sometimes are connected to Jesus and sometimes aren't connected to Jesus. Yeah. But that there is a profound and important story being told in these nativity stories, in, the, in these stories of Jesus' birth about the incarnation of God, about God becoming a baby, right? That That's very important for Christians to understand, that, that Jesus Christ, uh, that God became Jesus, not as a fully grown man. He didn't just drop down from heaven as a fully grown man, but that rather he, he was born you know, in this lowly position and grew up as a human being, just like we all do. Right. Yeah. And so that's an important part of what it means for Jesus to be a human being or for God to become a human being. But also the, the level of sacrifice that that is for God to become a human being. That's the very first sacrifice that God makes for us. It's not mm-hmm. on the cross. It's, it's becoming a human being like us. That's a sacrifice for God on God's part. Yeah. That's what the manger means. That's what the manger is. Uh, you know, when we look at the manger, we should have the same kind of level of um, awe and great gratefulness as we do when we look at the cross, right? That manger is a call to action for us, just like the cross is a call to action. The cross tells us that we are going to have to sacrifice and that we need to take on being faithful to the kingdom of God no matter what. The manger tells us that before we can do that, we have to empty ourselves of who we are and die to ourselves and sacrifice in the same way that God did to become a human being. So the manger and the cross should be standing beside by side because that's the, that's the bookends of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? You empty yourself and then you die on the cross with the hope of the resurrection in, in, the, in the future. So I don't know. It's interesting. The storyteller and how, you, how you've said a couple times, you know, a storyteller and, you know, one of the best storytellers I've spent much time with has been Dr. Gill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But and I don't was, believe a lot of them. Well, what, what it, <laughs> well, and and he would say you don't have. I mean, he's not he's not giving you uh, historical events, right? He always no. said, "Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story," right? Yeah. And that is there's some there's some profound truth in that. One of my guys, my boy Soren Kierkegaard, who I uh, love my deeply, boy, my boy, uh, he always talked about having what he called a, a literary memory, where we do this anyway. When we think of our past, our story, we fill in the gaps with literary uh, creation. We we write our own story because none of us remembers everything. Right. And what we even do remember has been filtered through the bias of our mind. The way we remembered it the, the last time we remembered, we remembered it. Exactly, right? Yeah. So what happens is when we try to tell our story, which we have to do to ourselves, with ourselves every day, we have to tell the story of who we are to ourselves every day. That's what makes us me. You know, that's what makes me me and you you. Kierkegaard is very clear about like we all have this literary memory but we should encourage that literary memory like we should mine our past for the truths that are there we should mine the story for the truths that are there and then create the story that gets to those truths write the story that gets to those truths um, whether those truths are positive or negative about us about the church about anything mm-hmm. in the world um, and in a sense that's what we're talking about with the nativity is we need 
to mine that story for the truth that's there. And as long as we are, as long as our, our additional stories or our, our little, our, our creations are, are tied to that truth, that's, you know, and like, like you were talking about, like we get our virtues from that truth, then I think, I think we're on the right path. I think we're okay. Hmm. When, it's when we take Jesus out of it or when we move away from the truth of that story, which is that God became a human being, that the virtues that we gain from it become, you know, just floating virtues that we gain from other places and we're getting from other stories. The Christmas season uh, for me is, 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 is kind of powered by the Christmas music. One of the things that I have a question about is if... It has to be the case that everything that we think about during Christmas has to be centered on Jesus Christ, or is it possible that Jesus can kind of infuse the other things? So Jingle Bell Rock is a great song that gets me in the Christmas spirit. It's not about Jesus, but is it possible to infuse Jesus into the feeling that I get when I hear that song? Does that make sense? I think we've had a similar conversation before. And it kind of goes to when we've had, um, well, like your faith in film series. Yeah, yeah. Where you look at the secular and say, you know, I feel like there's a grain of truth out there. And what does this teach us about our world that we can understand better through our Christian lens? Absolutely, right. So in that way, yeah, I think that's possible. But it's possible because you're starting from a place where that's what you're looking for. That's right. That's exactly right. So you kind of have to start with that lens yeah. before you. So I don't think anybody is going to all this. Well, maybe that's not fair, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I don't think anybody else listening to Jingle Bell Rock is all of a sudden going to be like, oh, my gosh, God is the source of creation Yeah, <laughs> through Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> right, right. You know. Paul says the invisible things are plainly seen, but uh, I don't know if it's in, I don't know if it's in Jingle Bell Rock. I don't know if it's in Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Um, that's right. I think so. If if we start off as Christians, and that's what this whole podcast is about, that's what Dialogue Disciples is about. You know, being in dialogue with the world. If we start off as disciples of the Word, then we can enter into dialogue or participation with the world in its Christmas traditions, as long as we keep our foundation and tether onto the manger, right? And onto the, the, the symbol that is the nativity and the meaning behind Christmas being, you know, that God became a human being and that we too should also uh, become human beings by following Jesus Christ because we're a little bit less than human right now. Um, then I think that when you get that special Christmas feeling from hearing uh, White Christmas, you know, that or watching home alone or whatever it is that you do during christmas that gives you that special feeling that it, that feeling can be attached to it can be it can come from home alone and come from white christmas but that it, it can, can be infused with this understanding of what christmas is really about right the, this reason mm-hmm. for the season as we're talking about what do you have a favorite christmas carol oh holy night Oh, Holy Night, just right out the gate of Holy mm-hmm. Night. I'm on When I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, or I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that one in a while. I'm a real big fan. What do you like about it? Um, 
I like the lyrics. I like the verses of when it says, um, paraphrasing, the world's a terrible place. A great there lyric. can't really be a God. <laughs> the world's a terrible and then the bells place. ring and it's like, oh no, God's okay. not dead. God's yeah. not asleep. Yeah. That's a great, that, yeah. Okay, I'm remembering this. That, that is a great Christmas carol, especially for 2020. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And yeah. Um, so Casting Crowns has a version, and I dig it. We've been going for a long time. Yeah. Well, let's stop and go home. All right, Nick. Uh, great conversation about Christmas, kind of all over the place today. But I think I think we touched on some important stuff, at least some stuff that's been on our hearts and minds. And that's what this podcast is all about. This that's what it is. You have eavesdropped on a conversation. On a conversation. With James. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. Uh, that's how it works. So um, I hope that you and your family have a great Christmas together. And uh, I hope that Northside, I hope that you guys have a great Christmas as well. You got any final words for the people of Northside, Nick? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas, Northside. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. Make my wish come true